Good day, I'm Anne Dolinchik, and you are listening to Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing. It's 2022, and this is season three of the podcast. As always, thank you for listening, sharing, and supporting. This season is said to be another good one with great guests from the influencer marketing industry, locally, as well as internationally. Our first guest this year is Leandre Kark, Head of Brand and Brand Marketing Lead at Virgin Actors South Africa. Her vision is to strongly align the business fundamental purpose with its marketing strategy. And she does so by using clear and effective communication strategies that result in entertaining content across various platforms and media channels. In this way, she's able to build brands that engage with their customers, no matter who they are, on fresh and relevant levels, regardless of the industry. So grab a coffee and listen as we discuss the shift in product offering and marketing tactics for Virgin Active South Africa during the pandemic, why they started incorporating smaller influencers into the mix, and Leandro's biggest learnings on running influencer marketing campaigns. If you enjoy this podcast, you will also enjoy our fortnightly newsletter that keeps you up to date with influencer news from around the world. Subscribe at the link in the show notes. This podcast series has been made possible through an exclusive sponsorship from SA's number one nano-influencer platform, The Salt. Most brands have a communication line to their existing customers, but not a way to get them to have additional positive brand conversations. The Salt solves the problem by identifying brand fans and getting them to talk more about their positive brand experiences. The Salts have a database of over 140,000 registered brand fans and in-depth information on each to perfectly match your brand to the right influencers. Reach out to them now and see what they can do for you. Good afternoon, Leandre. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Before we start our conversation today, can you please give our listeners a bit more insight into yourself and your journey to becoming the brand marketing lead for Virgin Active South Africa? Sure. Firstly, thanks. Thanks so much for having me today. Um, I've been in marketing for almost 18 years, which makes me probably very ancient to most of your listeners. Um, after graduating from UCT, I did a business science degree with an honors in marketing. I sold my little city golf and um, bought my first tickets to London. I worked for a publishing company there for two years, doing the marketing for them. Um, I then was lucky enough to get a job in Seychelles, where I did some marketing for a property development company out there. Oh, and then wow. eventually moved back to South Africa after doing um, a long trip through Africa with my um, then fiance. Got back to South Africa and joined the Fashini Group um, and I did marketing for them there for eight and a half years. And after Fashini, I thought it was so nice to get into the exercise, health and fitness industry because it's something that's so close to my heart and something that I do on a daily basis. Um, so I was lucky enough to join the Virgin Active team um, just before we went into lockdown. So it was quite an interesting time to join uh, the Virgin Active team. What an amazing journey that you've had. And like you say, you're joining a new team during lockdown couldn't have been easy. It definitely had its challenges. I am a person who loves to connect in person and have conversations. And having to meet people online was very tough. I feel like when we have online meetings, there's very little time for preamble. You kind of just go straight into yeah. business. So it's been, a, it's been an interesting journey, that's for sure. So let's talk about influencer marketing, and this is why we're here today. And I'd like to start at the beginning. When in your career did you, or were you exposed to influencer marketing for the first time? And, and what form did that take? Was it ambassadorship? Was it celebrity endorsements, bloggers? What did that look like? So the first time I was introduced to a type of influencer marketing was when I joined the Fashini team back in 2011. 
Back then, obviously, Facebook and social media were still pretty new and influencer marketing, as we know today, wasn't wasn't there. So what we did is we did sponsorships with the likes of Miss South Africa. And we also partnered with quite a few fashion designers back then, which was the easiest and, and the most relevant brand fit for us at the time. It certainly came with its challenges because back then we had to rely on traditional press to get our story out there. And um, so a lot of hard work had to go into finding the fashion that suited the personalities and the celebrities and specifically with the fashion designers, we often partnered with accessories. So it was a lot of hard work. And if the press wasn't necessarily interested in the person you were, you were partnering with at the time, we didn't get a lot of coverage. So very different to the type of influencer marketing we see today on social media. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people forget that influence marketing has always been there. It was just like in different iterations. Now it's just on social media, we've got a formal name for it. And I think to your point, it's probably a lot easier to get the word out there and to get people interested and actually catch those eyes than having to rely on a journalist who might not be interested. Exactly. So when you look at it now, now it's obviously evolved a little bit. We've got all these amazing social media channels. We've got all these different types of influences from your everyday person who's your nanos to your macros who's your celebs. What was your first impression when this started coming through of this marketing channel? And what kind of shaped your perception of this? I think my first impression was, you know, coming from what we did in my old PR days at Fashini, there was very little, it was hard to track what we were doing, other than obviously your traditional press coverage in newspapers and print magazines. So the first thing that got me really excited was how measurable influencer marketing is today. Um, in terms of the statistics you can get on the influencers, I mean, there's amazing software now that allows you to to really deep dive into the statistics that, that your influencers bring to the market. And that was definitely what, it, what excited me the most about the difference between influencer marketing today versus what I was first exposed to back in 2011. And I love that you said that just purely because every year we see like an extra level of measurement, which we can offer our clients and measure that ROI. So it definitely has come such a long way in such a short, short time. Definitely. So when you look back at like the first campaigns you were involved with, like you're saying, with Miss South Africa and partnering with designers that was relevant at the time, and you look at it now, knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently if you actually could have done it, anything differently back then? I think the first thing I would have done was assigned more resource to it. To effectively use influencers, regardless of whether it was back then with, with your traditional press and print media versus today, you need someone who really has their finger on the pulse and is involved with your influencers or your celebrities or your partners, because it takes a lot of hard work and it takes constant conversations to keep your content relevant and to make sure that you really are optimizing the channel regardless of who you're working with and what content you, you're getting them to create. It's very time consuming but I think it deserves the time and the effort and the hard yards to be put in because I think it can be really really valuable and really fruitful for the, for the campaign that you that you choose to use this as a channel for. We started after our um, sort of foray into partnering with fashion designers in Miss South Africa. We always thought that these relationships had to be personal. You've got to get a brand ambassador who really loves and lives the brand. So what we did back then is we actually launched what we called Fashion Friends for Fushini. And we took your, our average customers from the street who just had a love for fashion and a love for Fushini and gave them a platform to talk about the brand. And back then it was before sort of they had, they had big social media presence and handles. So we created a page for them on the Fushini website where they could give fashion updates and tips 
and hence and then that they also created their own blog so that was kind of how we we started kicking off the personalization of using using sort of you know real brand partners and ambassadors on our own channels before we could start using them on the i think what's become a much easier channel and that's social media i love you said two things that was really important for me and and still today in influencer marketing the first was that it needs a lot of care and attention and i think to your point you have to build those those relationships because at the end of the day it is a relationship with that influencer that's going to make or break a campaign and if you've got a team of people who knows these people who works with them all the time they trust them more they trust their guidance and they also give better input and your outputs look amazing and secondly i love that back then that you already started thinking about using people on the street to talk about fashion and put it on on your own websites and your blogs because that if you look back at it now that was literally your nano influencers your everyday person on the street that everyone liked and trusted because they're not a celebrity they're not being paid to endorse anything to really just talk about something that's really really passionate to them exactly and and the difference between then and now is we were fully invested in the content that they created because we actually had to create it for them you know they could they could send us their ideas and their thoughts but we had to use what we have um in terms of images of the the products going into store um and our channels to to really sort of put that content together for them whereas nowadays you know you guide you guide these ambassadors and influencers but they put the content yeah. together for you which makes it much more organic and real for their audience Absolutely and that's also another huge point there. I mean, I always say to brands it's great let's get influencers but you can't be too restrictive. Yes, give them a framework but then let them play within it because they know exactly who their audiences are, what they resonate um with and also just how to get the best for your campaign. 100%. And if they love the brand, creating that content should come really easy for them. Exactly. And I think also when you work with influencers it is so important to really find that that brand fit either someone who really really loves your brand they already buy it they already love it or someone who's just values align with yours as well exactly so speaking of virgin active i know virgin active have doubled in influence marketing in the past and i can see activity ramping up especially I think the lockdown had a lot to do with brands also getting into the influencer marketing game. They saw the benefits of it. They really started exploring it a lot more seriously as well. So my question to you is, Leandre, what is the fitness company's approach to influencer marketing campaigns at this stage? So we've had um we kind of have a three-way approach if I can if I can frame it like that. Our first approach is we give um some of South Africa's well-known and loved celebrities free um memberships. The contract there is quite a loose one as in we don't stipulate what they have to do in exchange for the um membership. We kind of just hope that they are brand ambassadors when they speak to their friends and really and really sort of support Virgin Active and the services and the exercise experiences we offer. And the second tier would be our sports teams. So we do have sponsorship affiliations with the Springboks um in all all shapes and sizes your rugby player your 15s rugby players your seven sides um our hockey girls hockey guys and then also some individual sports personalities and again we give those uh, those membership sponsorships um in the hopes that our teams will really sort of just show our exercise experiences and really just promote them and and be sort of organic ambassadors but what's amazing with these sports teams is as soon as we approach them to do some content for us for um some specific campaigns they are so eager to jump on board and um, so for example we had some of the stormers players and some of the cape town city football players um come and do a yoga class with us 
which was really, really cool. And they are, you know, as long as they're not traveling for sport, they are really open to helping us create content and share it on their channels as well. One of the big objectives for us that kind of drove our foray into our micro and nano influencers was after lockdown and the fact that our clubs were closed for six months, we really had a big job to do to get our members to come back. So our first sort of experiment with the micro and nano influencers was to get them to come to our clubs and just record the amazing exercise experiences we have also feature the safety and security aspects we introduced after lockdown um, so that members felt safe to come back. But just to just to sort of bring to life the in-club experience and that sense of community and that inspiration that you get from coming to club. And that was the first sort of uh, experiment we did with the micro and nano influencers. And since then, we've used them on any of our new product launches, any other messages and engagement platforms we want to communicate to our broader community. And we bring them on board to help us do that. I love that you, you've you gone kind of full circle with this. You're still with the celebrities, you're still doing your sports teams, and I can only imagine that their content is amazing and they do it joy because, again, they align with what Virgin Africa stands for. And but then I love that you've added kind of like the nano and micro layer to that as well. Have you seen that really working for you? Are people responding very positively to that? So the stats, obviously, we're using the software where we can really carefully select the influencers that we partner with just to make sure that we have a geographical representation as well as a demographic representation. Um, and the reach stats from those campaigns have come back and the engagement stats have been really, really overwhelming and we've been really, really happy with those. The next thing I would like to implement and soon, hopefully, is to actually be able to track how many of their, their followers um, come and sign up at Vision Active or, or are members already and how, how often they then come back to Vision Active and, and access Vision Active. So we are working on, on ways to track that um, through a invite a friend or a um, guest pass, which we are activating digitally. So hopefully that'll help us actually track that conversion rates, which will add to the value that they bring to us from a reach and engagement point of view. For sure. And I think if you read or you, you look at reports over the last probably two, three years, those nano micro influencers are really those guys who bring those conversions just purely because they are so relatable. People see them as everyday people like them. Like, I mean, not all of us are like super fitness people, but if you see your friend who's kind of like you go to gym, have a really positive experience and do like the different things like the yogas and the spinning, you're more inclined to actually then go try it yourself. Definitely. So then my question is, do you only make use of health and fitness and wellness influences or do you also look at just normal everyday people who's not really, that's not really their niches? Do you use them as well to kind of get messaging out there to their audiences? We have to use it. We have to use a mix. Obviously, your health, health and fitness influences play a role. But for Version Active or at Version Active, we really believe in inspiring everyone to live an active life. And sometimes when you see that person at their peak physical condition or super fit, it kind of makes you feel a little bit overwhelmed and actually just reach for the ice yeah. cream tub again and go, you know what, I can't do that. That's just way too much for me. So it's really important to to still remain aspirational, but still, but also use our everyday members and um, influencers to help us portray that healthy lifestyle message. You know, a healthy lifestyle doesn't mean that you have to have a six pack or calves the size of um, beer kegs. It just means that you, 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 you are healthy, you feel happy, um, and that's what's important to us. I love that because I'm one of those people. I just see these really fit people and they're like, Yo, no, it's going to take me years to get there. I'm just going to go for my walk. It's fine. Exactly. But the moment I 
But the moment I see one of my friends who who's just kind of trying to live healthier, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Exactly. It's all incremental. And it's also important to, to realize that not all the different exercise types are for everybody. So I am, I'm not afraid to, to, to say that I recently turned 40 um, and I went to um, a doctor to sort of just look at my, my, um, my health balances and, and, and sort of the vitamins I was taking. And she said to me, high intensity workouts are actually not ideal for you right now. I'd, so I needed to focus more on yoga and Pilates and taking walks in the forest versus actually doing these high intensity sessions that I was doing for hours at a time. So it's, it's really important to also bring that education piece um, to our, our members and to the market and, and say that, you know, you don't have to run a half marathon. You don't have to yeah. lift bench the heaviest weight. It's all about being your version of your healthiest, happiest self. Hashtag no filter. That's how this podcast is delivering real down-to-earth stories told by real people. For an influencer campaign that takes brand conversation to everyday real-life situations, go check out thesalt.co.za. They are the undisputed experts in real influencer marketing. So Leander, let's chat about the last 18 months. That's obviously been quite had a lot of obstacles, especially for your clubs um, and other businesses in the health and, and fitness sector. So you obviously saw consumers change their behavior a lot and sort of overnight, I suppose. So besides your consumers or your users or your club members not physically being able to go into clubs, what other behavioral changes did you see in your members even after the clubs kind of opened up? Was there anything that stood out for you? Yes. So we've seen quite a, a sort of an array of behavior changes um, in our member base. So obviously having to work out at home for, for six months, a lot of people embraced it and got super, super fit. And many people actually said, you know what, no, I can't do this and sat on the couch and um, and kind of just try to survive lockdown mentally and, and probably not so much physically. As our clubs opened, we saw obviously our, our health and fitness fanatics who didn't really worry about much flocking back to the clubs. We've seen a massive increase in engagement in classes and that offer sort of that need equipment that you don't normally have at home. So um, a lot of interest in our, our, our grid classes, which is our version of high intensity um, interval training, our boxing classes, obviously cycling as well, and the use of our, our pools and our facilities. So we've seen a massive increase in, in, in that. But I think the biggest differ difference that we've seen is the change in our routines. So a lot of us used to go to gym either before work or during lunchtime or on our way back from work. And with remote, remote working conditions, that has changed. So where we used to have sort of clear peaks and troughs in our access times at the clubs, we're now seeing a little bit of a shift in that members are actually accessing clubs all the time, which, which is great in terms of, you know, accessing equipment because there was nothing worse than having to wait for a treadmill for 20 minutes. Although we are seeing more people going back to the office, so that trend kind of is declining, but there is still, there has been a massive break in our routines and we're, we're, we're creatures of comfort and creatures of routine. So to get people to come back, to get back into a routine, you know, to commit to a certain amount of exercise at a certain time during the week is a little bit harder than it was pre-lockdown. I can even imagine, I didn't even think about that because when you go off to work, you sometimes just queue to use a, a piece of equipment. So now it's actually yes. quite nice. You just walk in and you can do your thing and, and that's it. Yes. So what we actually did um, before our um, cyber attack, which um, I, it, it, it pains me to mention, is we actually showed you could go onto our website and, and view your club and we would actually show you sort of um, access 
times and, and when the peaks were. So you could actually look and see how full your club was at a specific time, real time, and choose whether you wanted to exercise or not. Oh, that's fantastic. And then the one thing I um, didn't mention is obviously our online workouts. Um, everyone switched to online workouts. Well, those that, yeah. that chose to, to remain fit during lockdown switched to online workouts. Um, we're also seeing people using sort of a, using it as a hybrid a hybrid model. So doing some um, equipment intense workouts at our clubs, and then doing the slightly less equipment intense workouts at home. So things like yoga and Pilates and dance classes. Um, and then we've obviously got the members who still who either have comorbidities or just don't feel 100% safe exercising with other people in a club who are still 100% online. So you guys have obviously implemented quite a few things to accommodate your members so that they can work out from home or they can come into the clubs, feel safe and secure. But how has all of this changed the way you're actually marketing to your members at this point? So before our marketing kind of just focused on our in-club exercise experiences, uh, we now are focusing on making sure that we always mention our channels and accessibility on all of our channels. So when we talk about an exercise experience like yoga, for example, which we've just recently repositioned and relaunched, we make sure that our members know that they can do yoga in our clubs or online. Um, or a mixture of both. Um, if, for example, the, the type of yoga they want to do at a certain time isn't available at their club, uh, we, we remind them that they can do it online. And we spent a lot of our, our effort during lockdown um, creating online content um, that's in line with, with our in-club experiences. So whether you're doing a yoga line class at your club or a yoga line class online, you're experiencing the same exercise experience, basically. Oh, fantastic. My next question to you was how did the brand's focus shift on platforms? And you've basically answered to me now that it's kind of more of a holistic approach. Is that correct? You're kind of out of home, you're on your television, radio, but also a lot more on digital and then obviously going into influencer marketing as well. Exactly. Um, so we believe, you know, above the line uh, media, your traditional media still definitely has a place in terms of awareness. Um, with with lockdown and people's routines changing, you know, we lost a lot of our members um, either because they couldn't afford their membership anymore or because they'd lost um, uh, that exercise routine that I spoke about earlier. So awareness and getting the brand out there is still really, really important for us. And we feel the best way to do that is in our, your traditional sort of reach channels. Um, obviously, digital plays a really, really important role in that mix. Um, because you, you can reach people where they are on their phones um, and it's easier to track and it's easier to actually serve content to specific target markets that's, um, and the content needs to be relevant to them. Influencers obviously being a channel um, that forms part of that, uh, that mix um, and a very important channel as well. For sure. So then how has your core messaging changed in the last 18 months than what it was before the pandemic? What we've done is we've really focused on um, more targeted messaging. You know, um, a, a message or an image or a video that appeals to you might not necessarily appeal to me. So we've really spent a lot of our time sort of looking inward at the way we create content, specifically inspirational exercise content. So not just in terms of advertising, in terms of what we offer our members as well. So many people come to the club and it's kind of overwhelming and you end up just walking to the treadmill and, and running on it or walking on it for 20 minutes because you're not quite sure what else to do. What we've done in the meantime is we've created these online uh, fitness programs. Um, so we created one called FitFab for, for women over the age of 35. Uh, we've just created one as called Shift360 for men. And it is a six-week exercise and eating program that you can um, sign up for. And it takes you through the various steps every single week. 
what we've done now is we've incorporated that with a club space as well. So you can access online workouts or online sort of exercise content that you can then use in club so that you don't have to try and figure out what you need to do on your own in the free weight section or the functional section or on the treadmill. We can give you inspirational exercise workouts that will either take you to your goal, which you can choose, or just to keep you fit and, ex and inspired um, to just stay healthy. I love that because I know when I started kind of going to gyms about, probably about 10 years ago now, it was also just so overwhelming. Like I didn't know where to start. So I did exactly what you just said. I would go in, go walk on a treadmill, do a couple of exercises and then feel embarrassed because I don't even know what I'm doing and then I'd leave. So I feel like this would be perfect for someone like me starting out going like, I don't really know where to start. I don't even really know what my goals are at this point. Let's, let's you know, get a direction, which is fantastic. Exactly. Yeah, I think we've all been there. Even, even you know, when you're on your journey, you sometimes just feel a little bit unmotivated or you need something new to just kind of kickstart your, your workout that day. So hopefully these programs kind of helps help you keep you motivated for a longer period of time and then also just inspire your workouts so that you can get the most out of the um, facilities. It sounds like it certainly will. So then, Deandre, since working on your first influencer campaign back in the day, up to your latest one that you've worked on, can you maybe give us some of your biggest learnings that you can share with our listeners if they may be starting on this journey as well? Sure. I think... Do your research on the influencers that you want to use. Back in the day, we partnered with who we believed were the most relevant fashion designers, but some of them turned out to be not, they weren't great ambassadors for the brand. They weren't necessarily a good brand fit. And, and similarly, you know, when, you, when you're doing influencers now and so using influencers on social media, do your research. Make sure that their followers are people that you really want to talk to. Make sure that the content that they put out is consistent and that you are happy with the content and believe in them and the content that they'll put out. I think that's really important. It's just putting in the hard yards and making sure that you set the campaign and the influencers up for success by doing your research and making sure that they're a good brand fit. I think those are fantastic learnings. And it should be at the top of everyone's list when they start out. Definitely. And I think the one thing that we also we always forget, or certainly I do, is to go back and really study the, the stats um, and the numbers after a campaign and make yeah. sure that you kind of do a deep dive and really understand what, what the winnings were, where the shortcomings were, so that when you do your next campaign, it's not just another spray and pray approach. You really use people that, that gave you the most bang for buck in terms of the content and the engagement and their followers. Um, and also also experimenting with new uh, with new influencers, you know, go for the, the micro influencers that, that have less than a thousand followers and see what happens there. I think it's because digitally it's so measurable. We really need to make use of the fact that we, we have these stats and really use these stats to, to influence how we influences and campaigns going forward. I think that is so important. We've got the data and um, we need to analyze that because it will really kind of also show you, I think sometimes we're surprised at what the data shows. It's sometimes yes. there's things that come out that you didn't even think about. And all of a sudden you've got an idea or a direction for the next campaign and you see that it works amazingly well because all of a sudden you've tapped into an insight that you didn't know before. 
100%. So that comes to the end of our chat, Leandre. Thank you so much for joining us again and just chatting to us about Virgin Active and where um, you've been before. It's really, really exciting. But before we go, can you please give us where we can find you online if followers want or if listeners want to follow you and just see what amazing things you guys are doing at Virgin Active? Sure. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook and uh, LinkedIn. And I'm just plain old Leandre Cock. Not very difficult to get hold of. That's the best because then people don't have to go search too much. Exactly. I always get a bit nervous when people get clever about their handles because is it the right person? You know, who, who is this person specifically for use among campaigns? <laughs> for sure. You kind of have to double check. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And what seems like a cool handle uh, two years ago might not be relevant or as cool in three years time. What's that meme that's been going around? Like, what was your first email address? And then you think back and you're like, oh my gosh, that is so embarrassing. Because we were yes. all like, this is new. This is so cool. I think mine was AnnieParticle at Hotmail.com. And I cringe thinking about that now. <laughs> that is hilarious, especially when you started applying for, for jobs online and you realize yep. that actually your email on your CV was not, was not really professional. No, it very quickly changed to, to my name and surname at gmail.com. Very quickly. I know. It becomes so boring, unfortunately. Uh, it, it has to. And I think this new generation, they're going to look back at their social media handles and have the same cringe. I think so. <laughs> and hopefully a laugh as well. Oh, definitely. We have to. You can't take it too seriously, right? Exactly. No, we can't. So, Leandra, thank you so much. And I wish you well with everything. And I'm hoping we'll chat soon again. Thank you, Anne. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for the chat. Pleasure. Goodbye. Bye. This podcast series has been made possible by The Salt, the influencer company that turns influence into affluence. In the same way that information is presented in this podcast in a relatable and authentic way, The Salt gets your customers to tell their real brand stories to their community. Go to thesalt.co.za to learn more about how The Salt can help you grow your business.